0: At a recent I Love Marketing meetup in Tempe, Arizona, a group of Genius Network members shared their moonshots and multipliers. Included in the mix is the 1% advantage, being deserving of happiness, and more. This is part two of a two-part series. The first recording can be found at ilovemarketing.com forward slash 314. If you would like access to the full presentation, the show notes, and the special resources for this episode, please visit ilovemarketing.com forward slash 315. That's I Love Marketing.com forward slash three one five. I'm Dean Jackson, he's Joe Polish, and this is the I Love Marketing Podcast.
1: So I mean, who do we start
2: with?
0: Same you want, <laughs> how about you want to go over there?
2: You want to go last? Yeah. Ha uh-huh. oh, okay. well, ha. you. Okay. <laughs> so Mike's getting clear. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I'm Dave Strain, um, and I help Joe uh, with the I Love Marketing Meetup that's held monthly uh, up in Scottsdale, and I do a lot of different things. They're all revolve around automotive dent repair. So I have guys that actually do the dent repair. I've got a tool company where we manufacture and sell the tools. I have a marketing company that does marketing for all the other dent guys around the country. Uh, and we also help the other tool companies with their marketing and stuff. So, uh, I knew nothing about marketing until I met Joe and, you know, now I know a little bit. <laughs> so. Yeah, and it helps. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it, it's changed my life. So, yeah.
1: the, everyone is in the marketing business even if they think they are not. I mean, you you know, and, and really the real business you're in is the arithmetic business when it comes to actually making profits. So, you know, no matter what, you got to make the math work and marketing is the thing that turns on the money faucet and that's necessary. And how you package and position and present yourself, it doesn't matter what it is, but
0: uh, yeah, one of yeah. my favorite lessons was that if you truly believe you have the best product or service, you're doing a disservice by not getting it out there.
1: hmm that was
0: really a paradigm shift for me.
1: Yeah, and if you're one of those people that are completely unethical and you don't give a shit about delivering any value whatsoever, you at least convince yourself that that's true, <laughs> your business will still do better. Yeah, So, yeah, but it, it, it is true. If you, if, how many of you sell something that adds value to other humans' lives? Okay, so uh, there's no relationship between being good and getting paid. There's, a, there's no relationship. And so there's a huge relationship between being good, being a good marketer and getting paid. And that's, uh, you know, that's where, and, and, marketing, uh, makes selling easy and in many cases unnecessary. Uh, cause if you don't have marketing, then you have to rely on selling. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just selling is just, uh, you know, uh, I mean, marketing is just leveraging the ability to sell in far more effective ways so that you're, You know, you're communicating and you're packaging and you're presenting as effectively as humanly possible. I mean, and I learned marketing. Many of you know my story. I was a dead broke carpet cleaner living off credit cards. I never wanted to learn marketing. I just wanted to eat. I wanted to be able to pay my bills. And marketing is the one area where I was a good carpet cleaner, but I didn't know how to get anyone to hire me for my services until I started to learn how to effectively communicate that. And it was great that it was, you know, something as boring and mundane as a carpet cleaning business because uh, when you have to figure out how to successfully sell something that nobody wants to buy it actually puts you really in touch with you know well, how what do we say about this how do we talk about this thing and that's where you know what I learned that uh, helping people make a buying decision taking the complexity out of how to buy and educating people on all the things they don't know that they don't know is one of the most effective and also one of the most ethical ways to actually sell anything. So I think everyone should be, uh, should be a education-based marketer. And those of you that don't sell, because a lot of times people are like, well, I, you know, I hear all these coaches and I hear these speakers that are talking about information, but I don't really sell information. And I don't know a single business category where if you don't put information in front of it, is not going to make it better. So I was selling carpet cleaning, but I created a consumer awareness guide. I had 24 hour free recorded messages and free reports. And now we got videos and we got social media and all this stuff. But if you're not putting information in front of what it is that you're selling the product or service, you're just not going to sell it as effectively. So in reality, everyone is an information marketer if they're, you know, wanting to do the best they can possibly do. So that's my rant on that. Joe
0: says always it's easiest to sell like if you're selling food sell it where people are hungry yeah um, kind of stuff and
1: a starving crowd is really important (laughs) if you're going to sell I mean the perfect example sorry I'm just kind of I'm hijacking this thing Uh, I mean everyone's gone to a sporting event or some sort of event where you're you know you're a clean eater you're trying to do well but you haven't had dinner. And, you know, at first, the cotton candy and the popcorn and all the shit that they're selling, you know, you know I'm not going to eat any of that stuff. And then two hours later, you find yourself eating a hot dog uh, because supply, they got supply and demand on their side. You know, uh, where, you know, if, and if you have supply and demand on your side, you don't need to be a great marketer. The analogy I use is if the world supply of toilet paper ran out tomorrow... You don't need to be a great marketer to sell toilet paper because America. Yeah, I, I don't think toilet paper existed until the, the 1800s. And I, I've thought for hours, <laughs> what what did they do before that? But because uh, because I'm like psychologically messed up. But uh, the weird. yeah, the, you know, but, but the the thing is, is you don't need to be a great marketer. You just put a you know you don't need social media. You don't need a website. You don't need anything. You just simply need to put a cardboard sign up and saying, "I got toilet paper, fifty dollars a roll." You're going to sell it. However, most people. Are not in that sort of position where you have supply and demand on your side. So that's where learning about marketing effectively. And what are you ladies laughing at? I'm dying over here. I'm looking back there. They're both smiling like they're making I think fun they're of.
2: Googling what they did before. Toilet paper. Yeah. They're looking at <laughs> pictures.
1: Yeah. It,
2: it,
1: it, and it's one thing where someone has a smile, but if the smile looks really deranged and weird, I start thinking. It progressive,
2: progressively gets larger, the smirk.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Look at these. Yeah. So, Eunice, would you like to say anything? Okay. So no, but that that's the whole thing. So that's yeah. that's my that's my little rant on uh, on the effectiveness of marketing. And, and certainly everyone is here because they're interested in the subject. Or why the hell would you be in an I love marketing meetup group, right? Yeah. So and thank you for your what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. And, and you guys have the meetup groups in Scottsdale, and, yeah. and those are the third uh, Wednesday of every month. So if you are, and and they're usually holding them at the uh, Scottsdale Library, uh, the Civic Library. Yeah. And so if you ever want to go to those meet, and many of you do. How many of you do. but uh, And we want more participation with I Love Marketing locally because really the, the, the most effective way to learn anything is there's three ways to learn. You can learn through the School of Hard Knocks and go out and get beat up and bloodied, which I did the first couple of years of my business uh, to a degree. Uh, I was always a reader, but I mean, I didn't know what the hell to study or read in the area of marketing until I became so desperate I kind of had to. Uh, so you can learn through the school of hard knocks. The second is you learn through the experiences of other people. You read their books, you go to their seminars, you learn their information. But the most effective way to accelerate even that is to teach it to other people. So the moment you learn something and you go out and teach it to other people. So I think that's why there's a lot of, I think that that's why there's a lot of teachers and educators and speakers in different genres because those people just wanted to get really good at that thing. And they actually not only learned that that was a real effective way to do it, uh, they, for themselves, they actually learned that they can get other people to pay them money for that expertise. And so it's not a bad gig. Yeah.
0: There was a guy, I read an article this morning, uh, very successfully. Bitcoins are hot right now. He sold a million dollar worth, million dollars worth in one day. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's in jail though, because they were Chuck E cheese tokens. (laughs) <laughs> that he was selling. Wow, that's yeah. funny. So,
1: yeah. and, 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 it, and it's uh, funny to a degree, I guess. was yeah. uh, not, not a yeah, 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 for, for the, <laughs> the Cheeki Cheese people.
3: Yeah,
1: that is that is, but and that's an example of like you know the, the in the gold mine the gold rush days. Whoever made the money were the ones selling the picks and shovels. The whole uh, cr- uh, cryptocurrency uh, is. I mean, for one, it's fascinating. I mean, I've I've invested in a couple different companies on blockchain and, and whatnot. Uh, but that being said, there's always people that will come out of the woodworks and present themselves as experts, and they will fleece people. And that's, that's the unfortunate side of, yeah.
0: So, uh, and I guess my moonshot is I recently purchased DentRepair.com, and I'll be building that up. That'll be a whole system. So that's my 2018 moonshot.
1: And so if people, like, decide tonight they're going to go, like, beat up their car, run into people. Uh, yeah. How do they reach you?
0: Um, DavidDentRepair.com. Just shoot me an email.
1: Awesome. Thank you.
3: Thanks. Hey, I'm the Kevin Kaufman. (laughs) It's never (laughs) happened before. Um, I'm Kevin Kaufman. I actually own a real estate company called the Group 4610 Real Estate Network. And funny story is I was emailing with Gina a few months ago right before the annual event uh, to, to get in the book. And I was answering the questions on the questionnaire. And I just signed up because I had known Joe for 30 Forty seconds, and so I said, "Yes, here's my check. I would like to join that group and go to that event." And my my vision of a moonshot I got from Peter Diamandis. So I, I read Bold, uh, I don't know, year year and a half ago, and it literally blew my mind. And in a lot of ways, has changed my real estate practice, which is big in my world. But when I look at it from those lenses, it seems very small. And so I, I remember emailing Gina and I said, "Gosh, I don't. I guess I need a moonshot. I'm not really sure I know what one is." It dawned on me as I was sitting here figuring out what the hell am I going to say uh, that my moonshot is actually the vision statement for my company, which is to change the world, the way the world views the real estate agent. It's been my experience that most real estate agents – and we've, we've earned this to a large degree, uh, and I apologize if anybody sells cars, um, but we've been – about looked at as the same as a used car salesman or that saying, if you know. And, and so we want to change that. My business partner and I take a very, uh, different approach. We, um, we don't even put on shoes. That's how different we are in our real estate industry, an industry where most people are very proper, uh, and I'm going to say the word professional and formal. We take a very different approach. However, we're very serious about our results. And so the way we do that is our platform is I truly view our company, the Group 4610 Real Estate Network, as a platform for real estate agents to succeed on. I view my customer as not only the end buyer and user of a home, uh, the buyer and seller but also the real estate agent who I have a relationship with. Uh, we're a little bit different in the fact that we operate in seven different states. And we all, from this parking lot, just a couple hundred feet uh, to the east of where I'm sitting, we operate everything from there, from the way we lead gen to the way we market, our technology platform. We've got a tech team over there building tools for our agents uh, that are just for our agents and inside of our company. And so I guess my moonshot uh, is to change the way the world views the real estate agent.
1: Awesome, man.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Susan, and, and let me, let me mention this about Susan also. Uh, you'll hear from her in a moment, and so I won't try to repeat what you, you sh- well, I'll, I'll say a couple things. She, has anyone ever been the celebration of fine arts, the big tent, and North Scottsdale? She's been doing that for 25 years. So that's her business wow. and great artists. And it's, she's, she's very bright, very smart, very cool and brings, uh, creates a, an environment where these artists can sell what their art and make money. And she does all the setup and has been doing this uh, successfully for many years. And what I, what I want to say is that I ended up meeting Susan from a, a buddy of mine, Joe Woodford, who's a professional ceramic artist who I went to high school with. And he, uh, I think other than, uh, doing drugs in high school, the only thing that allowed my brain to escape was throwing pots, throwing pottery is the only artistic skill that I ever really developed. If you want to, I guess there's many weird artistic skills I developed, but the ones that produce like a piece of art, it would be pottery. So, uh, Joe introduced me to her and I ended up, she asked me to come and speak to the group of artists, which I did, and I was talking about marketing. And I said, I'm not an expert in art, but I do know how to package and sell things. And I kind of told my story of being a drug addict when I was 18 years old and at my worst state, weighing 105 pounds from freebasing cocaine and how art is, you know, this, the whole concept of how, how the people that artists uh, struggle so much with, with addictions and they're very sensitive people. And I, some of you have seen the artists for addicts trailer but that helped me gel this whole idea of how do you go to the exact group of people that seem to struggle and suffer the most with addiction and use art as a force for good and so that's what actually put me into this one of my moonshots right now is that invitation to speak to a group of artists because after I spoke six people came up to me and one man had tears in his eyes and he said if it wasn't for art I would be dead. And that's when it got me thinking about this. And I actually say that on, in our, our first documentary that we just did, which has not yet been released. We uh, premiered it at a small event in Jamaica. And um, so Susan uh, asking me, and, and me reluctantly saying, well, God, I don't even know what to say to a group of artists, but I did it anyway because I have this philosophy is even if it scares you, It's probably worth doing. You know, I heard this saying early on in my career, do one thing uh, every day that scares you. And that's different than like walking in front of traffic on the street. I mean, it's like (laughs) intelligent things, things that force you to grow. And so I I didn't. And you asked me like four days before this thing. And I'm like, I called up my buddy Weiland, who's an artist. He does all those whales and all that shit. And I said, uh, you know, what? How do you sell art? Because he's one of the most successful commercial artists. And he, he had given me some suggestions and stuff. And so I kind of showed up and just talked to a group of artists. But the strategic byproduct is what came out of it. And so just showing up. But I, I want to thank you for that and putting that together. Because I think, and, that, and now we're exploring all the different ways we're going to work together to help uh, not only artists, but uh, people struggling with addiction and using art as a force for good. So I will I should have not said as much, but I, I wanted to say that. yeah, that's, So that's thank great. you. Thank you. You got
4: that's set up. Yeah. yeah. Um, Gosh. The funny thing about that is, and maybe this kind of pertains to what I'm going to talk about, is Mm -hmm. um, we just met through our mutual friend, Joe, and we were kind of, you know, geeking out about success and marketing, and every Friday for the last uh, probably 20 years during the art show, during our 10-week run, I would do a Friday morning meeting for the artists. Um, I probably should give you some more background than that, but basically a lot of our artists are fabulous creative spirits, but they didn't have business savvy or, you know, marketing skills or know how to follow up when they meet somebody. So we saw a dramatic change in sales revenue over the years that we started doing this. Um, and I am second generation. This business was started in 1991 by my father celebration of fine art. And, um, it just, everything aligned with my passion in helping others. But that day I just said to Joe, Oh, you should come do one of our Friday morning meetings. Not, I mean, I knew he was kind of a big deal, but I didn't really know. And he said, well, yeah, let me check my calendar. As soon as somebody pulls their calendar out of their pocket, you know, you have them sold. So here in like a very short time, I I say this and then I go, well, we only have one week left. So you pretty much have to come this next Friday if you're going to do it. And he's like, okay. He called Eunice and he showed up with Rakim and the whole all the girls back there. I mean, we had a whole video shoot of this amazing off the cuff presentation that he did with amazing information. Um, just from that one asking a question. And do you mm-hmm. remember what you said to me about what you charge for a keynote?
1: Oh yeah, with fifty yeah. grand. He's
4: like, Yeah, I usually charge fifty thousand. I just agree to do this for free. I'm like, Yes. <laughs> so we had a we had a great time. But um a little backstory, The celebration of fine art, like I said, my father started it. I've spent most of my working career in hospitality sales or, you know, working with people. I did one year um, working in accounting, which I'm glad I have that because, you know, you have to know your numbers, mm-hmm. but um, I'm much more of a people person. So when the business was started, my dad was much, uh, very much a visionary and serial entrepreneur and pretty much everybody thought he was crazy to consider putting up a tent and inviting artists to show their work and actually let the artists meet the end user. Cause prior to that it was most art was sold through galleries where the gallery directors don't want you to know each other cause you might steal the business. So what we've done is created a, a unique experience of trust and partnership with the artists and then our collectors and how I kind of came into it is I, I started with providing the, tr- the training. I, my previous career, I did a lot of public speaking and training and sales. Um, and I had done a presentation on mission statements. So I'm that, for me, that's still sort of my moonshot is, um, to inspire and empower others to see themselves as capable and deserving of success and happiness mm-hmm. and to spark joy and courage in the world. And, i don't know where that came from, but just life experiences. I realize that we need those things, and most people um might want success and happiness, but may not believe that they deserve it so in my vision, it's like how do we teach people that they're not just you know able to but deserving to have that success and true happiness in their life and For me, a lot of that revolves around gratitude and it's something that we hear all around now and we could easily take it for granted as you know, the tagline of the day is you have to have gratitude and there's gratitude journals. And, but the truth is it's, it is, it does work. It is reality. Jim Rohn talks about the, you know, the beginning of receiving is being grateful for what you have. He said it better than, than I did, but, Mm -hmm. um, using gratitude and, and sharing gratitude with others has been what's kept me going through almost any difficult circumstance I've I've dealt with, and in, in, in all different situations. Fifteen years ago, um, right about now exactly, I was not really quite sure I was going to survive cancer. I was I was battling a, a pretty rare form of cancer and had gone through um, some bad chemotherapy. And I mean, I literally had the family, friends over sitting there at Christmas, going, "It's the last time I'm going to see all of you." But every day through that, I experienced gratitude. When the nurses would come in and draw the blood, I'd go, thank you, thank you. They used to fight over who would take care of me because I was the grateful one as opposed to, I'm not sure where that came from, but that was just my coping mechanism was gratitude will get you through this. And then, you know, other other hurdles that come up in life, negotiating to buy the family business, living in gratitude, and knowing that for me, this was a platform where my and my other great business decision was partnering with my husband who's setting up the t- the show right now so he's not here but um my vision always remains how can i inspire others to see themselves as capable of and deserving of success and happiness and right now that platform is the artists within my show and we have 100 artists that come from across the country and we've you know they don't all come back every year many have gone on to you know experience success beyond their wildest dreams. Um, one one simple story I have is we have an artist who, prior to coming into our show, he had never sold more than $12,000 in an entire year of being a full-time artist and cowboy. Hmm. And by the time he came in and he would come to the Friday morning meetings and he applied the information, and I would teach anything from Jim Rohn to Darren Hardy or whatever I was reading at the time, I would just share Um, so now he sells over 250,000 in the 10 weeks that he's at our show in addition to what he does elsewhere. So the, the talk about the compound effect. So Mm -hmm. for me, that just brings me such joy and to see that spread and to watch those people mentor others. So it always brings me back to the, whatever, whatever it is that we're doing. and, And there may be other different things that my husband and I will go on to do. But the idea of inspiring and empowering others is always what's driving us, and teaching uh, through that the courage to get up. and And I love what Dan Sullivan. I'm not a coach client of his, but mm-hmm. his books, the Four C's: courage leads to comf- competence, which leads to confidence. We want to teach people to be more confident and to feel, you know, that they're capable of anything that they set their mind to, and then. The rest of the world, financially, all that can come for me if I'm focused on that, you know, one mindset of teaching gratitude and inspiring people to, to see themselves capable of and deserving of success.
1: No, no, that's how, by, by the way, um, how can someone go to the show this year?
4: Um, the Celebration of Fine Art opens January 13th, and it's located at the southwest corner of Hayden Road in the Loop 101 probably a lot of you have driven by every year and saw the big white tent and i want to talk about tents for just a minute because <laughs> in 1991 we were the largest tent clear span tent installation west of the mississippi wow and now if you go through north scottsdale we've got Westworld and we've got the tpc and so now we've become like the little white tent but we were the original big white tent um I have a tent. Well, I give my dad credit for that. But yeah, I kind of live in a tent in a trailer for 10 weeks out of the year when, when we're up and running. Uh, but we're open every day, 10 to 6. I do. I just have hot off the presses some programs that I'll put over there by the cans. Oh, awesome. If you would like that. And um, last year, we had the courage to go through a whole marketing overhaul. And it's been layers and layers and layers of rebranding and and repurposing. And tomorrow, my new website will launch. So... CelebrateArt.com.
1: Awesome. Thank you. You know, l- let, me, let me say this one, because you reminded me about this whole notion of, of, of gratitude. Just in case. in case, just in case. Uh, And so the, the, the two, two areas to protect as an entrepreneur are your confidence and, uh, and, and gratitude, because you uh, will do things much more effectively once you have confidence in something. If you don't have confidence, and you have to rely on courage, which never really feels good. Uh, Confidence feels good courage. Just is like you got to kind of go through it Uh, But you can have all the money all the relationships all the access uh, but if you don't have gratitude, you can be a a very miserable human and What you're saying reminded me of this uh, when when I was speaking at um, uh, Ryan uh, Ryan Dice event uh, a few months ago. I said to the I asked the audience I said uh, How many of you uh, in the room are worth a million dollars, you know? few people raise their hand. I'm like, is anyone here worth uh, $10 million? And I think well, like, one person raised their hand. Anyone here worth a billion dollars? I said, you know, how many of you would like to be a millionaire? And you know, everyone raised their hand. And I said, well, h- how, many of you, uh, how many of you in the room uh, would like to be a millionaire if you're not already? I'm asking you, all of you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so what I said, I said, um, I said, well, how many of you would, uh, anyone here give me your eyeballs for a million bucks? You know, when anyone, anyone here, we could just hand over your eye- eyeballs for a million dollars. What about 10 million? Anyone give me your eyeballs for a million bucks? 100 million? What about we'll lop off your thumbs? Anyone lop off their thumbs for a million bucks? Or maybe cut out your tongue or, you know, yeah. Yeah. just what's that? 10 million. 10 million? You'll cut yeah, off your thumb? <laughs> <laughs> shit, man, I'd almost do it if I wasn't <laughs> so bored up. Um, I got a knife. But what the point is like all these people want to be millionaires, you know, they want to have all this stuff and you're walking around with assets in your, in your, on your body, in your life that people just take for granted that the fact that you can see and that you, you know, can hear and that you can talk and that you can eat. And it's that whole, you know, that, that proverb, which is, uh, you know, he, who has their health, he or she who has their health, has a thousand dreams. He, do, who does not have their health has only one. And if you're, you have aspirations. You're sitting here right now. You're able to do the things you're doing because you're not laid up in a hospital bed. You know, and, and I, uh, eight days ago prior, I was on a 14-day liquid diet. <laughs> I didn't eat food for like 14 days. And i would never done anything like that in my entire life. I, I probably lost like eight pounds in the last, you know, three weeks. And... Um, basically the the first day was the most difficult the second day was pretty difficult but what on the first day like I just got a whole sense of gratitude like I can't believe this you know in my soft cushiony life that I have and I have my challenges like first anyone else. Problem. Yeah. totally what it made me realize is like man I mean what how painful it must be to just like I wake up every day and I can eat mostly what I want you know, it's not like, am I going to eat today? So I want Mexican food? Do I want Chinese food? You know, and, and it just got me in touch. with How many millions of children go to bed every single night starving? You know, and how painful that is. And when you get in touch with gratitude, it actually makes you appreciate everything you have that much more, but it actually gives you the ability to do something about it. I mean, Kevin talking about his surf and, ser- uh, surf and serve, if he didn't have gratitude, he wouldn't be doing that shit. I mean, that, like value creation and contribution and being of service actually comes from a place of appreciation. And the,
5: I the generosity is gratitude and action. Yep. When we're generous, it's actually the activity of abundance. From that, that box. Yeah. Oh, so See our, yeah. so no, I was saying generosity is gratitude and action. Yeah. So that's what's so great when we're face-to-face to poverty. And some of these folks, you just talked about the pain of hunger. I mean, just to get a, an idea, they huff glue. They'll pay five cents to get a, a coffee cup full of glue, and they'll huff glue to get themselves high enough, not because they want the high, because they want to forget that they're starving to death,
1: yeah.
5: to get rid of the pain. And so like that's what you know, when I say when you give. I've been in the presence of that where you hand that person food and you realize they haven't probably eaten in the last few days. And, I, and like you said, all of your problems disappear. And then I'm in awe... Like it's a funny, selfish thing because what you're talking about is so great. I'm in awe of, my own, of the possibility of my own generosity like at that moment. And then Jennifer and I were looking back at the photos. We're like, my gosh, like we created this and these kids are smiling and laughing even if it's just for a few days. And so our moonshot yeah. is like, how could we do that longer term? But really generosity being that gratitude of, a, and of the abundance that we have and sharing it with people who have no way of paying us back.
4: Yeah. And I, I'm a huge believer in abundance. I, I truly believe there's enough of everything to go around, especially if we're generous with what we have and, and share that. And to your point, if health is everything, how many how many other cancer survivors warriors in the room? Oh, that's wow, unusual. that's, that's yeah. really unusual. Super unusual. Anyone in your family? For doing a yeah. Job yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It is. Uh, a lot of people ask if it cha- changed who I was. It didn't. I already was a happy person, but it gave me a bigger depth of gratitude and to understand that every day is a gift and mm-hmm. especially in this country, you know, to, we do have first world problems here mm-hmm. pretty much. And mm-hmm. when you've seen what you've seen so what if we have to go around an accident or something on the 101? We have cars, you know, and we have we can eat in our car and probably talk on our phone, too. So,
1: yeah, you know. yeah. Like Lee Brower, who's a buddy of mine from Coach, he said, you know, he said, how many of you hate to take out the trash? You know, a handful of people raise their hand. He's like, you know, do you know how many people in different parts of the world would love to have someone come to their home or where they live and pick up the trash and take it away? He's like, you don't have to take out the trash. You you get yes. to take out the trash. He goes, what? you yeah, I mean, it, it's a freaking luxury for some. And the point is, like, and not to get all touchy feely or like whatever. I mean, I know a lot of people are going through their own private, you know, silent battles, and <laughs> life is difficult. And you know, I mean, look, everyone has their own shit and their own crosses to bear uh, at all different times. It's just as much as you can keep your yourself in the mindset of of gratitude and, and appreciation, you're simply going to be a better entrepreneur. And when you're in that particular state, you're going to make more money. And I think one of the best ways to help the poor is to not be one of them. And secondly, uh, you know, people that say money can't buy happiness are idiots because I buy happiness all the time with money. I mean, there's all kinds of shit. I like nice dinners. It makes me happy. I like going to movies. That shit makes me happy. I like staying in nice hotels. It makes me happy. And so so the people that say that money can't buy happiness haven't given enough of it away. Because even if you're a miserable person with a lot of money, I mean, I've had people that have been really struggling in my ability to help them medically, education-wise, out of challenges, access to people they can talk to has helped make their lives better. And so, I mean, there's so much you can do with money. Uh, that it, and so it's not the money; it's it's what it gives you access to and how you do it. Uh, you know the, the experiences that it can give you. So I'm, I'm all for capitalism. You know I'm I'm a capitalist, and 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 uh, you know Hayek says the biggest problem with capitalism is it was named by its enemies. And so capitalism in its purest form. Is, you know, simply collaboration between individuals exchanging money for value. And we live in a world uh, where there's a lot of anti capitalist behavior and people will attack you. Because you're actually doing, and and there is crony capitalism, there's corporatism that is sometimes called capitalism, and there's, you know, there's bad aspects of everything. But most entrepreneurs that I know are really hardworking people, adding value in the world, you know, just doing good stuff. I I mean, most entrepreneurs I know are not evil, exploitive people. They're just good people working their asses off trying to to do stuff. And so, anyway. Thank you.
4: Genius Network for sure.
1: Totally. Yeah, totally. Thank
2: you. Thank you. I take that as a clause for me in <laughs> Oh, I don't know if there's going to be time for this afterwards, so I just wanted to say in advance, Joe, I haven't been to one of these meetings yet. I want to thank you and everybody, you. if you get a chance, uh, the whole Isle of Marketing team and your team for having the courage and the time to put this together because a lot of places you can be tonight. I've never been to one of these. Um been in Genius Network about a, about a year now mm-hmm. and I absolutely love it. So part of my moonshot has a lot to do with something I've never told you that showed up in a table that was – you'd have to be here to understand. There was a table here in this room saying big that came up. Side note, do you do paintless dent remover? Yeah. Okay, so you could stop at the house, and my wife had the something fall in the yeah. Tesla. It's horrible. I don't want to get into the story yeah. right now, but yeah. you could take care of that. Yeah. Okay, side note. Okay, that's a big part of it. I'll tell you that story later, how you come home, and there is a an sh- entire garage cabinet and screwdrivers and everything on a Tesla that's two weeks old. So I'll feel that feeling right there. I should have been called. told not to come home. So anyways, um, side note, uh, moonshot. I never got a chance to put one in my book. I still have it in the book. I still haven't. Um, done it. I got three emails. You guys were on top of me uh, about doing it. Procrastination kicked in every excuse in the world. And maybe it was because I was making it bigger than it really was. And I was making a bigger deal instead of just getting really real with my big moonshot for for my life and for the world. So I'll take you back in time as I explain this right now. And this whole tonight reminds me a lot of how I get started in business. And when I first got started, the struggles that I had, and I was at least smart enough to recognize a lot of things I didn't know. So I'd go to meetings like this, not exactly like this, but I'd go anywhere I could go to learn cutting edge stuff because I wanted to figure out what I was doing wrong because I was selling back then zero marketing, what I was doing. I didn't think I could do in marketing and I was selling and I was pushing and, I came across the idea that I could learn how to sell better and I could learn how to be more influential. So I dedicated – I see a lot of my students here know me. Um, I wound up learning influence skills, and I started learning what could make a difference, how I could get more people to buy, how I could get more people interested, how I could get more people um, to to really buy stuff. Because when you're struggling and you're broke, the biggest thing you think about is is making more money. So I'd go to meetings like this. And it didn't dawn on me back then how obvious these things are and how blind I was. I, I was in a relationship I should have never been in uh, back then. I should have got out day one and I was in it because when you came home from a meeting like this, you would, I'd be excited about what I was doing and what I learned. But I couldn't actually talk about it because the other person had no interest at all in what I was doing. And I would, I would make up excuses and I would tolerate things in my life. And I was living a lot of my life as a lie and I would sell. And I I finally, after about three or four years, I got so good at this influence thing that I made a lot of money. I got really, really good at influencing other people. I started making six figures. Then I made a quarter of a million dollars a year, then a half a million dollars a year, right around the time that I met you. And I started doing really, really well at what I was doing, but I was still not happy inside. And what was interesting was then I thought if I could teach enough other people how to be influential, then what happens is then I can be really good at this. Then I built build a business, which helped a lot of people out. And I was helping people do the same problem I was doing. It was helping them have more money, be more effective, sell more, but I was missing the whole piece of the coin. So I remember something when I first studied Earl Nightingale, and I'll throw this one back at you and thank you for bringing that up, is when I learned that 3% of the world is successful or 3% of the world makes a hundred thousand bucks a year or 3%. And that was something I first learned in 1998 when I first got into personal development. And the saddest thing hit me when I was sitting here in a meeting one day and Joel had brought it up again about Earl Nightingale and how how he talked about The Strangest Secret and how only 3% of the world is successful at what it is uh, that they do. And it hit me. I said, that, "That's that I'll speak. I'm from New Jersey. I'll say, it 's bullshit. And it's been literally 20 years since then I've been at this, thousands of years since everyone else has been at this. And why is it that, that number has not changed? And I made a commitment. I walked out of my office pissed about, 90 days ago after walking and when you come back from a genius meeting, when you come back from being a genius network, sometimes you scare your team. So I came back with like a million new ideas and they have to get prepped. I have a CEO that stops me at the door right now and takes the ideas and makes me take a day off afterwards. Cause I'm so pumped up and excited about what I learned here. And I get stopped at the door. And go, Michael, you can't see them yet. And I'm kind of like in a fish tank. How many of you had a fish? You got to introduce them to the water and I get to get reintroduced to my team after my new ideas. And I came back and I said, you know what? I'm done with this whole teaching success to people. I'm done with this whole influence thing. We have old products for that we're going to do. I've been talking about this whole idea about teaching a 1% advantage to people for, for a long time about if people knew how to do little subtle things. Like I teach little subtle things that every one of you in this room could get people's attention, make more money, sell people quicker. I guarantee I could teach you in five minutes two things that would make you more money tomorrow. Guaranteed. But what I wasn't teaching people how to do is those same patterns that help people reframe things, the same patterns, hypnotic language patterns, reframe influence skills could be yours on the most subtle things in the world. I mean – I teach this stuff to my kid. I think my life changed a lot having, having kids and, and my five-year-old has been really influencing me a lot in my life because and this is gets into my moonshot and this gets into really my purpose in this plan And I'm really excited and really pissed at the same time. And a lot of times you got to be excited and pissed to make things happen. And I recognized nobody is teaching kids and people how to live effectively. They're teaching him church and do this and don't do like 10 commandments are cool. Like obviously we know not to kill our neighbor and sleep with the neighbor. Do you know what I'm saying? If you're married, we know that stuff already, but what they're not teaching is very basic things like how to deal with life. Like you're going to fight with your wife, how to deal with, or your girlfriend, or you're just going to fight with a business colleague. How do you deal with the rest of your day? So I'm walking in meetings and I'm using a technique on you and getting you to think differently, make decisions, buy something. Why not flip that same technique, which I do anyways in seminars Why not teach people how to use those same techniques on how to make their life work better, how to really make a difference in the world. So in the last 90 days, since I went to my last meeting, I came home and I came back to the team and said, we're done with the whole success thing. Let Tony have success. Let Tony have, let all these other people have success or marketing or make money. Let them have that. What I really want to do is teach people the 1% advantage to make a difference in how they communicate with themselves and make a difference in their lives because personal development as a whole is something that's embarrassing for most people to talk about. Most people go to an event. I know this because when I ask for referrals, a lot of times people don't want to give up their friends. They don't want to tell people. Like Most people don't walk out of a Tony Robbins event and go, I'm going to go tell 20 people I was there. They may post it on Facebook because it was cool that they were there, but a lot of people don't want to tell people because it makes you seem like you're broken or damaged or something's wrong i mean it's got you know what I'm talking about you don't want to rush and tell everybody I went to an event to to make a difference yet I want to find a way to really change the conversation how people communicate about personal development and how they really what it really is so the biggest thing I've been working on, I got a book coming out called the human owner's manual and human. I got to say, cause I'm from Jersey. There's an H at the beginning, human owner's manual. And it's really about how we operate ourselves and how we operate and how we communicate the stuff in our brain. So when something happens in your day, you put it in the place in your brain. I do this to people with intervention work, but why shouldn't you know when you get bothered how to put it in the right place or you get turned on by something, put it in the right part of your brain so you can use it anytime you want. So for me, the big, the big takeaway from this and my big push is we bought a building about uh, six months ago we're in the middle of a renovation right now. We want to find a way to make personal development no different than going to a country club. We want to find a way we've getting the real estate business now. So we're looking to put up um, in the next three years, we're going to put up 25 locations all over the world um, in high market areas and create groups that it's not for success, business, marketing, anything like this. People don't want to go somewhere and they really want to make a difference. They want to make a change in the world and they want to get around people that think the way they think. So what genius network does for marketing and success and business we want to do with communication, with influence, with the ability to influence yourself and make a difference. So the collaboration of everything we're doing is huge. So my big, my big uh, moonshot is really, I would love to, before I die, before I leave the planet and I'll steal something from Warner Earhart, my favorite quote I've ever heard is tombstones already been picked. It says all used up and nothing left. And I would love it. By the time I die, that 4% of the people in this world can say I'm successful. I'm happy. I'm doing the things I want to do. If I can get it by 1%, I'll know I did my part and it sounds silly, but I'm pissed and Excited about it! I'm going to make it happen. And if you don't know me, you don't know me well enough. So I'm going to make that happen. So that's it. That's awesome.
1: Thank you. Um, you. You know, th- th- there's uh, my buddy Tom Billu who has like a podcast. Um, he spoke at last year's uh, G- Genius Network annual event. He 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 did an interview with uh, Dr. Drew, and he talked about uh, change. And the the great thing about it is that. Uh, what Dr. Drew, who may write the forward to our book that I've got coming out, uh, the miracle morning on, uh, for addiction recovery with, uh, doing with Hal Elrod and Anna David. So that book will be out next year. And, um, one of the things that he talks about is disgust. So on the wall here is one of my favorite quotes, which is be willing to destroy anything in your life that is not excellent. And the thing about that is that in order to change something, you have, uh, pre-contemplation you have contemplation, you have execution, and then you have maintenance. And being willing to destroy anything in your life that is not excellent requires you first to think about it and to contemplate it. And then you have to actually do something. And then once you do something, you have to maintain that something. And so in order to change, the difficult thing with change is not just doing it, it's maintaining it. And so what's always funny to me is all the New Year's resolutions that people make. And, you know, they, I was talking about this before we started the meeting in, in that, in our conference room back there. And that you have people that will make goals. I'm going to eat better. And they do for either a few days, few hours, few, you know, a few weeks. Uh, I'm going to join a, you know, I'm going to join the gym. I'm going to get a gym membership. I'm going to start working out. I'm going to do this thing in my relationship. I'm going to do this thing with my kids or, or whatever. And then as most human beings, they, uh, you know, just stop and they don't maintain it. And so what I would uh, encourage you to look at is what disgusts you so fucking much right now that you're like, I'm just so done with this. Now, you're going to have to contemplate that. You're going to have to think about that. But if you get yourself so- now, the difference between disgust and shame, though, is that disgust, you're just kind of disgusted with it. Shame, though, you're not going to be motivated with shame because that's I'm a bad person. And that's the thing that I've learned with being an addict, is is, is addiction thrives on shame. Uh, addiction has an appetite for destruction. Addiction will actually make you do bad things. Disgust may cause you to change. And if you are just okay with it, you know, you're, you're probably not going to do much. So if you really want to affect change, now, one of the best ways to do that is to put yourself around people that are doing great shit, because then it forces you to look at, well... You know, they seem to be capable. I mean, one of the biggest motivators for me was when I was a dead broke carpet cleaner living off credit cards. There's this guy who works, uh, this guy I went to high school with who's working for uh, a guy in Mesa, Arizona, who's uh, an alcoholic that treat, treated his, his, and I feel bad because he's an alcoholic. I mean, addiction comes out of pain and hurt people hurt others and this guy was a really bad person but he had made six hundred thousand dollars the previous year and here i am working my ass off going broke and that disgusted me i'm like what the hell you know what is the deal what does this guy know that i don't and he you know and so uh, it's all how you use it i mean your whole life is just a series of of raw material sitting around waiting for you to put the ingredients together and to produce a certain result and be it good habits bad habits i think everyone has um habits. And if you wake up in the morning and you wake up late and you eat two egg McMuffins and you smoke ten cigarettes and you guzzle four cups of coffee and you kick your dog and you yell at your spouse or, and you just go around being an asshole, you've just developed really good habits of doing that if you do it every single day, right? So winners find ways to win. Losers find ways to lose. And so wherever you're winning in life, you're winning because of the way you're putting together. It's the formula. You have a winning formula. And if you're losing, then you need to change that, discard that, abandon that, do something with it, surround yourself with other people. So the whole concept of moonshots and multipliers is how do you actually embed into your brain uh, so, to go back to Michael, Michael, you know, I'd love to ask you this. How does one best in, oh, let me do a setup here. Now, we have a whole book here and I'll forget yeah, if so. I don't do this. Okay. So, here's a book. All right. Now, this book is filled with Genius Network members talking about their moonshots. Buy one. And it doesn't just say, what's your moonshot? It says, what is your best business decision? Your best business decision. What is the one thing you feel accounts for your success, and how might every genius network number benefit from it? What is the biggest tangible performance-enhancing addition, modification, and replacement activity or approach you've discovered and added to your model or marketing in the last year? Who are your current business heroes and non-business heroes? What are three things you do differently or better than your competitors that drive your business success? And how might everyone in Genius Network utilize any or every one of those advantages? And what is the single best piece of business and non-business advice you've ever received? And how did it alter your path? So we ask these questions to all these really bright people, and it's freaking phenomenal. There's like Now, when you read this stuff... You actually will probably get inspired. You will probably learn things. You will discover some things. You'll probably, and they give book recommendations. What are the most impactful books? This is a hundred bucks. Uh, all the money we're going to put into Artists for Addicts and Genius Recovery. So it'll go into my my recovery moonshot. If anyone wants one, just these are hundred bucks. Uh, that requires though you to actually influence yourself. So my question to you is, uh, given resources, okay. tools, recipes, what? How does one influence themselves most effectively?
2: Okay, so it's a lo- it's a loaded question how we influence ourselves. Um, every one of us, first off, knows how to do it. We influence ourselves all the time, no matter what. We're always influencing ourselves. If we were influencing ourselves as simple as answering ourselves the question, should I buy that book or not? Is that a good question we can influence ourselves? In this particular context, that's perfect. Okay, it's perfect. Okay, <laughs> So, so the – I'm getting set up right now. Okay, so – the, and by the way, we can
1: disregard the book entirely and just yeah no gift. either
2: yeah. either way. If we were gonna, we'll talk the book real quick, and then we'll just throw an, an idea because I believe this this will make a difference for you. Number one is instantly inside of your brain when somebody asks you to buy something or whenever you're planning on doing something else. Instantly, your brain has a chemical reaction that goes off, it's a series of chemicals that go off, and also pictures start to to show up inside of your brain. So one of the ways to influence ourselves is I teach some HIT class. It's it's a very very simple technique. It's It's understanding um, what state that you need to be in. And I don't mean like Tony Robbins, get yourself in state. I mean, literally what state that you need to be in to pull off what it is that you need. A lot of folks don't realize that whenever you're selling something to another person, I'll put it in the context of them and then I'm going to turn it on you really quickly, is the whole purpose of selling or anything is to educate people that it's okay to make a decision and to take down their guard and put them literally, find that neural pathway that, that they've made a decision before, whether they were on an aisle when they were a kid. Like my daughter did this to me today. She influenced me to, to buy a dog. Um, I, I bought a dog today. I told myself I'd never buy a dog, but she looked at me and she said something to me that triggered something in me, abandonment issue. And she found something in me that I don't even really knew I had. And she said simply to me, I'm going to share this in selling and you guys can use any way you want. And then I'm going to talk about influencing yourselves. She said, wouldn't it be nice that when I come home from school, there's a five-year-old. Okay. Wouldn't it be nice when I come home from school that, Tara's going to be going to college soon and you're at work still doing what you do that I have somebody to play with. And I know I'm probably not going to get a dog from Santa, but um, it would be nice. I bought a dog today. Okay. And I spent an hour and a half. I spent six hours online and on the phone calling interesting people from places called Paradise, Pennsylvania. Okay. Which doesn't seem like paradise at all. Side note. What what my daughter did is she put me in that state of mind. So if you want to influence yourself to change a habit – or anything else you do, you're never going to change it with thinking about the habit that you want to add. So this is why with addiction, I do work with a lot of people with addictions and different types of things. So let's say you want to get in better shape or you want to get yourself to pick up the phone more or or do your marketing or do your moonshot or anything. The first thing you have to ask yourself is what state of mind do I need to be in? So exercise for most people, we'll just start with language real quick. Exercise for most people is something that or working out for me was equated to something I talk about doing that I know that I'm capable of doing that I really don't do. That is also linked to insecurity and something. I'll quit. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. So what I did is I instantly changed the language on it and by changing the languages, and this happened two years ago when I met uh, Joe from Spartan races, I stopped working out. I haven't worked out in two years, but I train on a regular basis by changing the language of what it is that you do Mm -hmm. instantly creates a new neural pathway. This is what Joe teaches in marketing. I said, let him teach marketing and everything else. I want to teach it for the brain marketing, how to market to ourselves. So stop trying to get yourself to save money and start looking at it from a different, like I have, um, I build a second business. That's my financial portfolio. So instead of saving money, I build a second business that I donate money to and I loan money to it on a regular basis. So I loan money to a second business, which is almost bigger than my regular business, which is my financial thing. So the first thing I'll say, I'm not going to go into a long term on this, is change the language to something which then will change the meaning and changes the neural pathway in the brain. Did that make sense? Mm -hmm. Did that answer your question? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. for instance, a lot of people say they have like I, I watch the dating guys do this. Is anyone in the dating world here? Anybody want a date? Okay, I'm not offering. But um, the the dating guys tell people they have this approach anxiety, so they could sell them books. Approach anxiety just means that you don't take relationships seriously. So if you got serious about relationships, that word seriously changes things. And I tell most people, like you put the word seriously in a context of you really don't take your business seriously. You're not bad at marketing and you're not bad at sales. You don't take your business seriously. If you did, you would find the time to get around the money, to get around the people and do what needs to get done. So Mm -hmm. that's my three second version of that whole thing. So if you want the book which you probably do because there's at least three to five ideas. There's at least one billionaire in that book, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. There's at least one billionaire you can get a book recommendation or two from. If you want the book, and I have it and I've I've read it. I wish I was in it. I forgot to put myself in it. Mm -hmm. But um, if you want it, you really have to ask yourself, like how would you get yourself to get it? Like what would be the person, like the person you want to be, would they already have the book? Or would you have to really talk yourself into or out of it? So that's the long story short. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's great. So change your language, literally find a different word and stop trying to diet, too, because that's a crappy word. Start becoming aware of what you eat, and I guarantee you'll lose weight. Got it?
1: Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. That. That's thank you. That.
2: Um So
1: I want to thank all of our panelists. If we could everyone give them a hand, everyone who is there. Um, and I want to thank all of you for coming. In terms of is there any burning desire to say anything from anyone in the room regarding moonshots or multipliers that you just want to express yourself? This is an opportunity. We have a mic and we have a blue box that Kevin has.
4: Kevin's a good shot, too.
2: Kevin could easily <laughs> take, take, with his eyes closed, he could definitely <coughs> take your head off from where he's at. Yeah, yeah. So here's... Up, nice.
1: So...
6: So, just talking to this?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, moon- that doesn't amplify your voice. It just picks it up for the uh, right. Facebook so Live mo- and everything.
6: So, Moonshot is what you wanted? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so, I sent the Moonshot uh, to Tim after listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Podcast, right? Great thing. Um, and it's uh, it's one that I, I, I started, uh, let's see, it's two years ago and I was um, <clears throat> just hit uh, 45 years I was going to be 46, so I hit 45 years old, and I had heard Dan Sullivan um, uh, talk about what he was going to do in the next 25 years. Mm-hmm. So I put together my moonshot, actually, at that point, and I said, well, in 25 years, I want to be known uh, by at least uh, a quarter to a third of the world as the next Jack LaLanne, you know, person, as, uh, and bring it in, instead of the exercise side of it, which I will bring through the exercise side but, all, but because of the nutrition so because of a different angle to how to eat how to um, eat real foods instead of uh, a lot of the sort of other foods that we have but real foods and bring the nutrition and the strength component together and, uh, and finish what he started so. Love it
1: Awesome Thank you
4: <laughs>
1: Yeah Who else? Anyone else? This is your opportunity. Go ahead.
5: Thank you. All right. So my story and background, I learned about uh, Joe Polish probably five years ago, six years ago, Mm -hmm. built up my window covering business. The missing component was the marketing. Uh, I sold that and started uh, in the flooring industry with no knowledge or experience in flooring. And we're growing at an amazing rate, Uh, do close to $2 million in our third year here. And um, and it's all really marketing, sales, business principles. And uh, we do an outstanding job for our customer, provide a great customer experience. I appreciate most what you said because I don't want to change the world. (laughs) My big uh, goal next year is uh, to work with a dozen other people in the flooring industry to help them. Grow their business at least thirty percent next year.
1: Mm-hmm. Great, awesome, <laughs> awesome. Well, and the, you know, and and the thing is, like, uh, if I die, the world's not gonna, you know, it's uh, whatever, it goes on. Like, there's, I don't, I'm not of this belief that, like, change the world. You know, and part of the whole change the world for a lot of people is is a is a cop out. What? Um, oh, I'm just changing the world. Oh yeah. No, no, but here, but genius network has changed the world, not, yeah. it's a big difference between Joe Polish, uh, and here, but here's the thing, though, and I, no, look, look, when it comes to changing the global conversation about how people view and treat addicts with compassion instead of judgment, and finding the best forms of, of, of treatment that have efficacy, unless I get hit by a truck, or something severe happens, I will do everything I can to make that a reality, I mean, it's, it's, it's my calling, I, it. I can't leave it alone and there's a lot of other ways that I can make money and about half my time is now spent uh, focusing on things dealing with addiction and it's it's very difficult it's very painful I mean I talk to people every week I talk to a lot of people that every sort of addiction under the sun I mean going out and talking about having a sex addiction is not something that's you know winning me awards you know I mean a lot of this stuff requires enormous vulnerability it, it put it's putting myself out there Uh but the suffering that I want to reduce uh, is significant enough, and, and there's not enough people that are willing to talk about it. And what I want to do is get people to to out themselves because uh, you're as sick as your secrets, and people that are fighting silent battles, you know, these are the hardest battles to fight. However, like you you start by changing one person, then maybe five people, then ten people. Like there's a lot of people. Like you know, I got something I want to change the world, and it's like, well, have you changed anyone's world? Have you have you done it with five people? No, have you done it with temp? So the, the point is, you start with a human. Like David Berg figured out how to solve a problem for himself, and I should really say Janice, Doctor Janice Johnson, because she's probably the real smart one here, the real doctor, not the f- fake doctor over Robert, here. The doctor, no. If I was smart I agree with you. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, the the point is, that, that, you know, you solve a problem for yourself. Like when I first started uh, creating my carpet cleaning course. Uh, I'm a convert of my own system. I actually had a problem. I had to figure out a solution to that problem. I actually did. And then I sat and thought, God, how many other people have the same exact problem uh, that I could help solve it? And so when, when I created that course, the way that I created it and the way I thought about it was I want to create the exact recipes on how to do things that I wish had existed so I didn't have to go through the misery that I went through when I was a dead broke carpet cleaner living off credit cards and by taking that approach it actually worked mm-hmm. you know and and, and and I think that same philosophy would apply to anyone and so surround yourself with amazing people uh, a, any problem in the world can be solved with the right sales letters, the line by Gary Halbert. Any problem in the world can be solved with the right Genius Network. So I look at Genius Network not just as my group, but a, what is a network of people that have genius level skills, capabilities, Um, processes, methodologies that you can go and link with those capabilities and skills and make yourself that much better. So uh, I'm going to do what I'm doing in the world of addiction with Genius Network. I mean, it sounds weird to some people, but that's my mechanism. And so one of the reasons I curate a group of amazing people is I get to sit in a room with some of the most brilliant people hearing the most cutting edge things on the planet and they actually pay to be in that room. And if I, I would do it even if I didn't get paid for it. But if I didn't uh, charge for it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same way. Because, you know, when people pay, they pay attention. And also, the people that invest in, in it, and, and, I, and when I say it, I don't, I mean, how many of you have ever read a book that has changed your life? Okay. And how many of you have given that book to someone else that they didn't pay for that book and it did not change their life? If they even... Re- exactly. Yep. So the big, the big thing that's like the setup is people are like, oh, they're charging too much. Well, when you look at anything as a charge, it's all how much does it cost? But when you look at it as an investment, it's a totally different ball game. And see, some people, for those that... You know, my friend JR says, for those that get it, no explanation is needed. For those that don't, no explanation will do. So it's 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 that sort of thing. So you're all here because you made a time investment. You all spend money because you're making investments. And that's that's part of the thing. And that's one thing I haven't totally been able to ever figure out how to make that distinction. Because the ones that are aware of it are aware of it. And the ones that are, that are not, are not. And that's just kind of the way it goes. Thanks for listening to this episode of I Love Marketing. If you
0: would like access to the full interview, the show notes, and the special resources for this episode, please visit ilovemarketing.com. Forward slash three one five. That's I love marketing dot com, forward slash three one five.